The events that surround Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection are well known, and yet sometimes we can find ourselves seeing them afresh when we look at them from another perspective and try and imagine what it must have been like for those people who were actually there and saw it happening right before their eyes and who even ended up becoming part of the story themselves. When we try and understand how they felt as they saw those events unfold before them, and the series of emotions that overwhelmed them as each part of the story played out right in front of their eyes, then we're putting ourselves in their shoes, walking the path they trod, and we start to see with their eyes, maybe even seeing things we never noticed before. Perhaps we can comprehend the importance of Jesus to them, their sense of loss, despair and eventually joy as the events unfolded, and who knows, maybe as we try and see with their eyes, the truths of the story lodge deeper inside our own hearts than they've ever done before. So how can we do this and why should we do this? Well, we can do it because, believe it or not, the disciples and followers of Jesus were just ordinary people like you and me who experience life, its joys and its sorrows in exactly the same way we do. We can do it because we have been given the gift of the Bible and if we're very careful, we can use the gift of our imagination to look at what the Bible says and build that world in our imagination, allowing us to look, hear, touch, taste, smell and feel that world with our imaginations and then ask questions about those Bible stories from this new perspective and who knows, maybe we'll end up understanding things in a way that we simply couldn't otherwise do. And we should do it, because God is the Lord of all our lives, including our imaginations. And when we use our imaginations whilst holding on firmly to what he's shown us through the Bible, we're allowing his Holy Spirit to speak to us in ways we may not have experienced before, revealing new truths to us that we may never have seen or understood, or maybe taking old and precious truths that we have treasured for many years and allowing them to rest deeper in our hearts, releasing a new outflowing of joy. So we should do this because, through it, the Lord may help us learn more about Jesus and understand a little more just how much he's done for us, how much it cost him, and how much he loves us. So come with me to meet one of those people who saw it all firsthand, Thomas. I was there. Me, Thomas, one of his so-called disciples, I watched him die. Have you any idea what it's like to watch all your dreams, all your ambitions, all your hopes being crucified on a rough wooden cross and then die right before your eyes? All I wanted, all I'd ever hoped for was in that man Jesus, and I'd watched him die. And and what makes it worse is that I believed him. I really believed he was the one. You see, I was there earlier. I was right there with him when he asked us, his close followers, his disciples, who everyone was saying he was. So we told him. We told him that some were saying he was John the Baptist come back to life, and others were saying he was one of the great prophets from of old. But then he looked right at us and asked, What about you? Who do you say I am? And without hesitating, Peter told him. He told Jesus what we all believed with all our hearts. He said, You're the Messiah, the Saviour, the Son of the living God. 
So why didn't he tell us there and then that we were wrong? Why did he let us believe if it wasn't true? All he told us was, don't tell anyone else. But you see, I did believe it. With all my heart, I believed he was the one sent to save us, to rule the world in power. And I hoped that I might have a small role in his kingdom, to play my part with him as the eternal king. But how could it be true? I watched him die. You see, I was standing there when the Roman soldiers came and broke the legs of the other two criminals who were being crucified either side of Jesus so that, unable to support the weight of their bodies any longer, their lungs would get crushed and they'd die more quickly. And then I saw them come to Jesus' body. And seeing he was already dead, I watched one of the soldiers take a firm grip of his spear and then, and then thrust it up into Jesus' side. And when he pulled it out again, he had to jump back to avoid being covered with a sudden gush of blood and water from the body. <laughs> and then I watched those two hypocrites, Joseph and Nicodemus, religious leaders who hadn't said anything before, oh, they were so brave now, going to ask Pontius Pilate for Jesus' dead body. Why hadn't they said something when he was alive? <sighs> but I guess it was a mercy, because now I knew he, he wasn't who I thought he was. Because if he had been, he'd still be alive. As I watched them take his body down from the cross and start to wrap it up in a long piece of cloth, I couldn't take it any longer. And so I, I ran away. All my dreams were going to the grave with that man. And so I ran until my legs couldn't carry me any further. And I wept until I had no more tears in my eyes. I couldn't face being with anyone. It hurt too much. So I went away to be on my own, and, and for the next two whole days I kept away from the other disciples and from everyone. But as the time went by, I started to worry, and thought that, as a follower of Jesus, maybe I was a wanted man. And so I began to wonder where I could go to be safe, deciding eventually to go back to where I knew the other disciples would be hiding. After all, surely they'd be feeling as terrified as I was always keeping to the shadows, constantly watching over your shoulder, hoping, praying, that those footsteps behind them weren't the footsteps of a Roman soldier coming to arrest and execute them. When I arrived at the house, where I knew they'd be hiding, I found myself reluctant to go in, instead lurking outside in the darkness. For what seemed like an age, I just stood there in the shadows, trying to find the courage to give the secret knock. I so didn't want to be there. But where else could I go? Who else could possibly understand the pain I was feeling inside? And, and as I hid in the darkness, trying to build up my courage, I made a resolution. I resolved that I wasn't going to be fooled again, not now, not ever. I'd believe that he, Jesus, was everything and then I'd watched him die a meaningless death and seen that he was nothing. No, I wasn't going to be fooled again. Jesus was dead. End of story. As soon as I gave the secret knock, the door swung open and someone grabbed me by the arms and pulled me inside and the door was quickly locked behind me. As my eyes got accustomed to the light in the room, I saw Peter and all the others looking at me. But something was wrong. Why didn't they look sad? And then Peter gave me a great big hug. I looked at his face in astonishment. 
He had the biggest smile I'd ever seen. I couldn't believe my eyes. And then he said, Isn't God amazing, Thomas? Was he mad? How how could Jesus' death make God amazing? And then he must have noticed the tear tracks down my cheeks and looked more closely at my red swollen eyes. You haven't heard, have you, Thomas? He asked. I got my voice back then. Heard what? I heard myself gasping angrily. That, that, that you've lost your brain? I knew that years ago. And then he laughed. He actually laughed. How could he laugh? What? I pleaded. What haven't I heard? Then Peter gave me his full attention. Thomas, he said. He's alive. What are you talking about? I asked. Who's alive? Jesus. He's alive, Thomas. We've all seen him. His, his words seemed like spikes in my mind, nailing me back to the events of that terrible day, still raw and unprocessed. The cross, the nails, the blood, the stench, the hatred, the sadness, the cry of Jesus. Oh my God, the cry of Jesus. Events I'd been reliving over and over again in my mind, unable to forget them even for a moment. And I simply couldn't believe my ears. You're mad, I started quietly. And then, filling with anger, words flooded out of me. I saw him die. I saw his cold and lifeless body on the cross. I saw them thrust a spear in his side. I watched them take his body down from that cross. And then with tears streaming down my face, what kind of cruel trick are you trying to play on me? The others were all looking at me now, all of them with that same smile or whatever on their faces. And then suddenly they were all talking at once. But it's true, Thomas. We saw him, Thomas. He came into this very room and said, Peace be with you, Thomas. He showed us his hands and his side, Thomas. Shut up. Shut up, all of you, I screamed. He's dead. Don't you understand? Dead bodies don't come back to life. You're all mad. Somehow, they really believed that God had raised Jesus back to life and that he'd appeared in that very room and said, Peace be with you and shown them his hands and his side. But I wasn't going to be taken in. Not again. Not after all I'd seen. That man had already shattered my heart. I thought he was the saviour of the world, then watched him die the death of a common criminal. No, I wasn't going to be taken in again. Not now. Not by him. Not by anyone. And so I carried on with my shouting, now more in anger than shock. Listen, unless I see him standing right here before me, with the nail marks in his hand, and the spear mark in his side, and I can put my fingers where those nails went, and I can put my fist in the hole left by that spear. I will not believe it. And then I ran out into the night. One of the most uncomfortable weeks of my life followed that night. Jesus was dead and gone, my so-called friends had been taken over by some kind of mass madness and I felt truly and devastatingly alone. I, I tried to keep away from them, but after a week I, I found myself going back and there they were, just as full of it as before. When they let me into the room, they locked the door behind me and started saying to me all those things again, but I wasn't having any of it. Until that is, I, I heard his voice. Thomas. And when I turned to look, there he was, just as I remembered him. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a vision. He wasn't some, some imagining of my mind. He was real. 
The others were smiling so much I thought their faces would burst open. But he was looking at, at me. This, this... Before I could get my mind around what was happening, he started talking to me. Thomas, he said again and, and took a step towards me. He, he held out his hand so I could, I could clearly see the marks left by the nails. Put your finger here, Thomas, he said, pointing to the scars in his hands. Shaking and trembling, I reached out my hand and, and I touched the scars left by the nails. His hand was real, solid, warm. I could hardly believe what I was doing. And, and then he pulled his robe to one side, so I could see the large scar from, from where the Roman soldier had thrust his spear. Thomas, he said, reach out your fist and put it in my side. I didn't move. I didn't have to, because I knew it was true. He was alive. Stop doubting, Thomas, he said, and believe. But I didn't doubt. Not now I saw him face to face, the same Jesus I'd known and loved these past three years. And so I did the only thing I could. I fell to my knees and I worshipped him, saying, My Lord and my God. Then he spoke to me again. You believe because you've seen me, Thomas. But there's a greater blessing for those who haven't seen me, and yet still believe I'm alive. <laughs>